0: Recording. Wajahat Ali here with Van Jones. Uh, You've seen him on television, American commentator, host of The Messy Truth on CNN. Uh, He, I think, like me, is a recovering attorney. Are you practicing still, Van, or no? Oh, nice, nice, and is that uh, that that's uh, that gives me hope, sir. I just want to I just went inactive for the first time in eight years, and with a little sadness in my heart. But uh, you have inspired me that I can hopefully dust it off again. And in addition, uh, Van doesn't sleep because he's superhuman. He's also the co-founder of a great nonprofit, the Dream Corps, which is a social justice accelerator, empowering um, Justice League superheroes doing social good all around the country. And I believe you're either the sergeant or the lieutenant general of something called the Love Army, sir? It, is it safe to say that that hate army could also be called a troll army, um, or am I being am I being too harsh? You're you're the diplomat, sir. So I could say it, but maybe you can't. Do you think it's interesting that uh, Donald Trump, uh, who is politically incorrect, goes tit for tat, who's strong on national security, in 12 days has managed to tweet against John Lewis, civil rights icon, fellow Republicans, Meryl Streep, Hamilton the musical, and the CIA? But do you find it interesting or disturbing that he refuses to do a single critical tweet of Vladimir Putin, or am I reading too much into it? Yeah, and it's the last 12 days. And let's just do a brief audit. Uh, You know, as going off what you just said, President Trump said he's open to ending the sanctions on Russia, that he thinks NATO's obsolete. Uh, He's fine with essentially, it seems like the European Union dissolving because he praised Brexit when he was Theresa May, all talking points of Putin. Uh, But at the same time, he seems to have almost escalated a trade war with our ally in Mexico. Uh, He i'm just trying to do an audit there's so much he seems convinced that three million undocumented immigrants somehow voted uh for hillary clinton giving him the popular vote and uh executive order just came out which i'm going to go ahead and editorialize to me looks like a muslim ban uh and speaking of ban and and speaking of maybe being compliant to people there's a trending hashtag uh that this is president bannon uh How much do you take stock in the fact that what we're witnessing in the past 12 days is the ideological vision of Steve Bannon working through Donald Trump? And
1: it was, it even, you he know, wasn't even a voice guy, let alone, like, somebody with a military background. So, um, so this is, this is a, this is the biggest threat to democracy that we face since the Civil
0: War, but in the Civil War, the champion of democracy was in the White House. So, even then, uh, we were probably uh, in less danger as a country than we are right now. So that's, a, you know, that's a stunning statement you just said to me, that this, you think this is the biggest threat to our democracy since the Civil War, and speaking about the Civil... You cleanse, Um, you cleanse the opposition and you put in yes men. Yeah, and so that's that's what you're looking at, so it's not not hyperbole, it's not liberal snowflakes and you the bed, it's a cold assessment based on history of what you're seeing. So, you know, there is a stunning quote of Steve Bannon that I wish more mainstream journalists used to, would bring out, and it's from The Summer, and he was very blunt and transparent with the media. Uh, It was for the Daily Beast where he described himself as a, quote, proud Leninist, and he wants to bring the entire system crashing down. He wants to see the entire establishment come down, both Democrats and Republicans. And like you mentioned, he is now on the National Security Council, the chief strategist and ideologue for Donald Trump. So what's the next step? what does that mean like you know map out the next three months of america for me Mm -hmm. well i mean first of all you're going to continue to Mm-hmm. If we're looking no. at the rest of no. the world, Van, and if we're looking at the trends, uh, you know, there was a Quebec shooter, uh, a terrorist who opened fire at a, uh, at a mosque, killed about six people. And what they're saying is that he was a Trump supporter and a Marine Le Pen supporter. Of course, Marine Le Pen, far right nationalist, uh, a French leader of the National Front party, with roots uh, originally in anti-Semitism, uh, also a friend and ally of Donald Trump. And what we're witnessing in France. In Netherlands with Geert Wilders, um, in, with UKIP in, in Britain, with Austria, thankfully the Freedom Party lost, is a far-right white nationalism responding to what they say is multiculturalism, Islam, immigrants, uh, and globalization. Are we witnessing the death-rattle of whiteness around the world? Uh, and by whiteness I mean white supremacy. Because I'm I'm that's just me being the optimist, yeah, right. man. That's just me being the optimist that a child is most loud right before it's put to bed. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the resurrection. Maybe it's the, the loudest rattle. Yeah, look, I, I think liberals like to rock themselves asleep you with know, a silly silly
1: little floaters like that. That's a that death rattle. That's that's a death march. Mm. And
0: Islam. No, that was me trying to be an optimist, but uh, your analysis, of course, I agree with, so that uh, that will keep me up at night as well. It might be actually the death march and the rise, and it's been growing. And, you know, you, you mentioned that you've spent a lot of time with Trump supporters, and I appreciate the fact that you've tried to reach out through your show, The Messy Truth. You know, you're trying to build, bridge these divides. Um, and the question that a lot of people of color have had since the uh, election and a lot of women LGBT and you know white allies is if indeed the Trump supporters and voters aren't racist why did they vote for such a racist platform or why didn't they take Trump seriously when he said openly I am for a permanent ban of Muslims I am for building a wall black America what have you got to lose This is the worst time for you ever, ever, ever. Why were they okay with that? Well, you know, some there's three three groups that Trump's the. a lot of that stuff, really distasteful um wouldn't you know didn't like that he was saying some of those things wouldn't want their kids saying those things didn't agree with those things but they were distasteful but not disqualified mm. you know, because they also feel very strongly about pro choice um about um, about being anti-choice and they also feel very strongly about the their own economic Yeah. And And Clinton didn't even go to Wisconsin once.
1: that kind of elitism, which is, first of all, is not true, it's also not fair, it's also a dumb strategy. Right. People can tell if you don't like them. African Americans can tell we're not welcome to the Republican Party no matter how many times they say we are. All this signals that you know, it's a racist, it's a party that tolerates anti-black racism. It's very clear. The idea all this signals that the Democratic Party is a party that tolerates, you know, snobbery and bigotry against, you know, frankly, a lot of traditional Christian a lot of white guys who work hard every day and who don't feel that they, um, you know, are on top of the world. That those signals are clear, and it's a turnoff. And that old Bobby Kennedy, 1968, form of liberalism where you could be holding hands with the Appalachian family on one day and you're in Harlem the next day and nobody thinks it's weird. That is something that has, has, you know, isn't as strong. It was strong in 2008. It hasn't been as strong since then. And so that's just a ir- reality. To deal with that, it's not just that um, you know the Republicans, you know, you know ran a terrible candidate, uh, you know, who, who had bad ideas. It's also that the circle of love and affirmation that we have as progressive, can sometimes just not be big enough, and we put up
0: with, and become fashionable to put down people who we then expect to vote for us. But then, and guess you, what? But the, you know, re- I, The response is, and I told a lot of people I was interviewing you and kind of across the board, I got this response from a lot of friends uh, who are shell-shocked by this election. They say, you know, Van says, reach out and help these Trump voters reach out, get to know this Rust Belt. But at what point should I reach out and try to empathize with people who are for my marginalization and dehumanization, and why should I help them? And these are people who actually ask this question who aren't mean, who are people who are elite, but are very empathetic and care about justice, and they're like, why should I help these people who went for such an egregious platform that will marginalize me and my children? It's so stupid that it's hard to even take it seriously. Mm. You're not. It's not about helping people, and you know, it's it's about you need a million more people. If you had a million more people, you could govern forever. Right. Do you want a million more people? Well, then go get them. You know, Win it's, them it's over. And, and so, I, mean, I mean, that. I mean, to me, I don't understand that logic at all. First of all, just from a political point of view, for me, it's it's a, it's a moral thing, the spiritual thing, which I'll talk about. But even from a political point of view.
1: Just reflect so little under all these smarty pants people who went to college, listening to NPR, think' they're better than everybody else, are so stupid when it comes to basic coalition building. If people leave your coalition, whose fault is it? It's your fault. You have to build a coalition that's attractive to people, and it's not it's not the person who left responsibility to like the party that you threw. So that's just reality. Okay. Now we can live in this little. and know our history but that maybe works in your dorm that doesn't work in the real world and people need to get out of all that. Listen, here's reality it it is completely unfair and absolutely necessary that people who have been oppressed and marginalized have to lead everybody
0: that is MLK that is Dolores Huerta that is Vanu Hamer, that is Mm. The people who, for,
1: who, who would have been completely justified in telling everybody, black, white, and otherwise, to go straight to hell were the ones who said, you know what, if I do that, we're all going to be in hell. And I'm going to have to take on the completely unjustified and unfair but absolutely necessary burden of leading everybody. And guess what? Here's the here's tough part. You can't lead anybody you don't love.
0: Yeah. I think I'm the guy. I'm pretty sure you're the guy who said white lash and pissed off Jeffrey Combs.
1: I want them to be able to see a doctor. I don't care who they vote for. I don't care who they vote for. Keep voting for Republicans if you want to. I'm fighting for you because I refuse to live in a country where we have disposable people. I'm an environmentalist. I don't want you to have disposable aluminum cans. I sure the hell don't want you to have disposable workers, and I don't care who you vote for. You've got to have that as a moral position. Otherwise, my concern is, all we are then is just petty interest group people who can't say anything back to a petty interest group white nationalism. If, if, if all I'm for is black people and white people who like black people, then, then
0: I have nothing to say to Trump who's only for white people and black people who like him. Yeah, no. If I'm for literally all the underdogs, then, I, have, then I, I can command and demand better of everybody, including myself. You know, the final question I'll ask you, and I'm glad you mentioned this is, Is as an American Muslim, you know, I I am deeply concerned as as a student of spirituality when I see the dearth or lack of spirituality from modern day activism, and that's my editorializing in my opinion. And how can spirituality play a role in nurturing? This positive activism that empowers all people, and how can we bring back, or should we even bring back, spirituality when it comes to this modern activism, when it comes to social media activism, when it comes to people keeping it real, but but you know not really like not remembering the spiritual ideals and values and lessons of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Gandhi. Uh, you know how should we bring back this type of spirituality and infuse it with modern day activism to truly uplift people? thing we might do, I don't know, I'm just trying to think about it while you're talking, maybe we should launch a love army. (laughs) Well played, sir, well played. Yeah, I mean, I I think we should launch a love army that's based on all that stuff. And let me just say a couple things. You know, religion has gotten a bad rap, you know, for good reasons often. For a lot of people, women, LGBT, and others, You sometimes get very smart, but you, you sometimes gain a lot of smarts, but you lose a lot of wisdom. And what I saw in the Hillary Clinton campaign with data dummies who were more concerned with polls.
1: The best insurance for the safety of all Americans because it is the Muslim community that has the best chance of stopping and checking and pushing back on people who are trying to pollute their own sending. So this attack on, on, on Islam um, is an attack on a great faith. It undermines the people who are trying to rescue that faith from these horrible people. It endangers every human being on earth because it accelerates the radicalization of some and, embo- and, and, and emboldens the worst
0: all the state, and so this fight is, is a is a fight I think that we have to, uh, 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 to take on. And I'll say one more thing, yeah. i I say just one, one more thing, which is this: um, you know, if I didn't have my grounding in the deep spirituality of the Dr. King and the and the secular spirituality of Mandela, Mandela was never a religious person, so you can feel that deep spiritual grounding that Mandela had and, and other people in my community Fannie Lou or Ella Joe Baker the list goes on um, if I didn't have that deep grounding um, you know it would be very easy for me to you know just you know, be somebody
1: who's just consumed with anger and hatred and that would be Trump's greatest victory is to turn us into replicate, replicants of him just on the other side of a wall screen. I refuse me or my, my family or my movement or my friend be turned into the opposite of Trump. I want to be the antidote for Trump. You know, you know the hatred uh, of the people who hate you. That's being the opposite of your enemy. I want to like fire with water wherever I can, and that and that's really what the love arm is about.
0: Van Jones, when are you uh, running uh, for president or senate, sir? We're connected, we're connected. Uh, look, uh, on behalf of a lot of uh, people who feel ignored uh, by Trump and his administration, they told me to say thank you uh, for speaking up for them. On behalf of a lot of American Muslims who've been following you in the past two, three weeks, they said thank you for standing up for them. So I had to convey that message. Uh, thank you for taking the time. This is Van Jones, who is a private, not a general, in the, in the Love Army, which is looking for recruits to resist and hope in the age of potential totalitarianism, and we're looking for love and spirituality and growth and healing. And thanks to Matt Haney, who I have to give props to for setting up this interview, who will probably run for Senate one day, and he looks like Tom Brady. I <laughs> All, <good. laughs> All right, Matt, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, so, uh, sorry, sorry, I appreciate that. You were there. Yeah, we're done. Thank you, man.